Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, guys, I'm really super excited because by faith, we're finishing Colossians today. <laughs> Some people, I, I need a t-shirt, I survived Colossians. Um, but if you've got Bibles, let's go ahead and open it up to chapter 4. Um, as we've been talking, chapters 1 and 2 were really about this fact that um, Paul had planted all these churches, and then one of his churches in Ephesus had planted this church in Colossae, and they had been saved, healed, delivered, full of joy, full of hope. And then somebody came in with the latest book, the latest revelation, the latest deep, uh, deep philosophical thing, and told them there are higher levels. Anybody here had your joy stolen by people who were smarter than you <laughs> and you want it back? Come on. And so in this place, he said, listen, guys, don't get it twisted. If you got Jesus, you got it all. If you got Jesus, there are no levels. You have it all. You are seated in heavenly places. There's no ladder to climb. There's no process. You have in him one-stop shopping. Now, if you have not yet experienced breakthrough in an area, it's not because you need to leave Jesus and go find it. You simply need to go back to Jesus and find out another present that's under the tree. One more present you didn't know was there. Anybody here been waiting? For a breakthrough, get tired of waiting and decided to help Jesus out? How did that work out for you? Listen, there's one place to find the breakthrough and it's the cross. Mm, and so, and, and so he's just, you can just see it, Paul is like popping a vein. Because he he's, he's watching all these super smart Jewish apostles coming in and they're like, Whoa. and he's just like, you guys are smarter than that to fall for those smarty people. <laughs> and so he, this is his heart. But then what I love is Paul is always about if it's a real gospel, it's going to show up in your real life. Man, anybody know somebody who's uh, theologically sound and not worth a, a bit? You know what I'm talking about? If it's real Jesus, it's going to show up in your real life. And so he begins to apply that. He begins to talk about what does it look like? How do we walk that out? And we talked about husbands and wives, men and women walking together, submitting to one another. We talked about what does it look like for, for bosses and workers? What does it look like for fathers and mothers and, and children? Like, what does it look like for us to walk together as children of God? And that, and so here's where we come to. And now, I'm just going to tell you, he's going to be giving us a little bit of a snapshot into his specific world of the world he lives in. So we're going to be going through that. So chapter four, verse one, masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Anybody think that should have been part of last week? Yes. You, you can look back. It's okay. We did the end of chapter three. This is something that's really important to understand. Verses and chapters were not in the original. Verses are just, they're trying, in fact, in the Greek, there are no paragraphs. There's no punctuation. 
They, they have, that's why Paul seems to write one long, 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 long sentence, because literally he wrote one long, 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 long sentence. They could do that in Greek. And so here's, here, but what happened is whoever was, this is probably a guy by the name of Jerome, he divided up the, the first chapters, and he just, they say that when he screwed up, he was actually doing this while riding on a donkey, and the donkey bumped, and he mess, messed up. Literally, it's... it's Whatever, but it, it's just, this is part of the end. He's simply saying, if you've been given authority, it is not for your sake, it's for theirs. If you have been given authority in people's lives, it's for their sake, not for yours. It's not for you to get yours. It's not for you to, to be great. It's not for you to dominate and control, but for you to provide. What does it say? It says, right it, it speaks of justice. Do you guys remember what we talked about? What is justice? Justice in the kingdom is to return a thing to its proper place, but also direction, its vector, where it's going. Return somebody. Anybody here have somebody in your life and you know they're not where they're supposed to be? Guess what? Justice is going, hey, buddy, this is who you are, declaring who they are, being behind who they are, and being for them, even if they're against themselves. Anybody have friends who are against themselves? Anybody friends that are like tripping themselves every day? Listen, justice is saying, I'm for you, even if you're against yourself. Anybody here tried to love somebody against their will? I mean, like, they're like, no, no, this is what I need. And you can just see heaven saying, oh, you're much bigger than this, right? Partnering with people for their destiny rather than uh, even, and that's part of what, what he's saying. Masters provide. Okay, so let's move on. So here's where he's end. He's saying all of the gospel comes down to this last little bit, okay? Verse two, devote yourselves to prayer. That word devote means hold fast, don't change the subject, be about this all the time. Elsewhere he says what? Pray continually, constantly. Anybody heard that the first time and lost all hope? for Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like literally, like I heard one person uh, uh, growing up, this is actually a friend of our family. She was a missionary, just super like, su anybody heard somebody super spiritual and again, also lost all hope. Anyway, and she was, and so she was like, she was in high school and she was like, I just want to pray continually. So every time a bell would ring, an angel wouldn't get a wings. She would pray. She would pray. And, and I tried that. It lasted minus five seconds. Literally. I, all I would, all it did was produce shame. If you've heard the word and it produces shame, you haven't heard the word. Because shame comes from who? The enemy. Shame is a sign that we believed a lie. See, prayer is about conversations. And the minute you realize you haven't been conversing with God, instead of beating yourself up, anybody beating yourself up to get to, back to Jesus? Remember the prodigal son? He's on the way back to the father and he goes, <laughs> and he's practicing his, 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 his thing. I'm not worthy to be your son. And the father smacks the speech out of his hand and says, come here, buddy. Listen, you and I beating ourselves up does not bring us to Jesus. Simply recognizing we haven't been talking to him, recognizing we haven't heard his voice, that we haven't, that moment, the minute we turn to him, guess what? He's been there the whole time. I feel like to me, a lot of times it comes to the lie of separation. That he's somewhere out there and that he's not inside of me speaking to me every single second. Come on. As soon as I start becoming aware of it and start believing it, ceaseless prayer is my natural default. Right? 
because there is always a conversation going. And it doesn't feel stressful, it doesn't feel striving, it's constant. Come on. Right? It's just this constant flow of life, as easy and as natural as my breath. Come on. But it's, it's happening well, there. And it's not necessarily verbal. Like Masha and I, you know, you get to a point in a marriage where there does not need to be verbal conversation, right? Like I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, you know, and she already knows. Yes. You know what I mean? She's like, mm. or, or, just, <laughs> or just we could be working side yeah. by side mm -hmm. and completely connected and, and accomplishing yeah. things, but there is not necessarily words. It, but we are in communion, right? We're in relationship. It doesn't, I know how she would respond to things I'm doing. Anybody here, you, you have people in your life that you know, if they saw you doing what you were doing, they would not be pleased, and therefore you make a change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh man, she's going to ask me about my diet. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind, right? No, that's what it is. It's, it's allowing who he is to shine, not to bring shame, but to bring encouragement, to remind me who I am. It's this constant perception. But listen, it's a thing we grow in, just the same we've grown in. The, we grow, and, and so the way we do it is the minute I realize, anybody had this thing where you wake up and it's been like, you know, 17 days since the last moment we talked? Anybody had that? 31 days, 40, we can do the stand up until Jesus disappears, right? Right? No, but the reality is the minute, the minute you realize you haven't, there's no shame. Just come back to him and walk from there. But in fact, what he talks about, the devoted to prayer, this word prayer is simply to talk with him. Talk with him about what? Everything. Everything, if it matters to you, it matters to him. If it matters to you, it matters to him. And so what does he say? Colossians, uh, all right. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. And here's how he defines prayer. Being watchful and thankful. So what is watchful? That watchful is the same thing. You guys remember he gave a bunch of, of parables, Jesus did, about servants watching, being watchful for the master to come. Watchful means with eager expectation for God to show up in an area. Anybody have some areas that you're in eager expectation for God to show up in an area? Right? That's what Masha was talking about. Anybody here grown very discouraged in watching? Okay, okay. Listen, being watchful, being watchful. Again, it's this idea we talked about. The word in, in Hebrew for patience and waiting is that of a, of a hunter waiting in ambush with eager expectation to grab a hold of the thing when it comes. Watchful, but, any, but I said that. We've all, many of us, we've all gotten tired in the waiting, right? How do you stay watchful? How do you? With thankfulness. It's not stumbling over what hasn't happened yet. See, yes, you need a picture. Destiny, destiny, listen, destiny is simply you being who God says you are and demonstrating who he is on the earth. That's it, destiny. But anybody here gotten a picture from, for, of your destiny and just got full of joy and hope? Yeah? yeah? yeah. And, and immediately tried to make it happen tomorrow? Anybody here heard the word of the Lord over your life and expected it to be done in a week? Yeah? Anybody done the Joseph thing? Hey, guys, you know what God just said? <laughs> Y'all are going to bow down to me. How do you feel about that? 
Yeah, anybody here? Anybody here? Can I ask you? Let's be real. Anybody here had a friend tell you their destiny and you laughed? <laughs> Inside. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you saw the gap. They didn't see the gap, right? God shows us our destiny. A lot of times we can become overwhelmed with excitement and then overwhelmed with discouragement, right? Because one thing, one ditch is the ditch of shame. The enemy comes in and he uses our very destiny to, sh to shame us with what hasn't happened yet. Anybody been in that place? <laughs> Who are you to think you could be a leader, Joseph? What's wrong with you? Was the word of God true for Joseph? Was it true that his brothers were going to bow down to him? If, <laughs> eventually, if you and I are going to stay in the process and not be shamed by our destiny or hopeless, right? It will never happen. It's just not going to happen. It's not, that's not who he, I am. If I'm not going to, if I'm either going to shame or hopeless, I'm not going to get there. But thankfulness will allow me to stay in the middle. Thankfulness allows me to celebrate the little breakthroughs as they happen. It's being intentional because our natural is to go look at, anybody know our natural is to look at what hasn't happened. Anybody here gotten a financial breakthrough and already went to hopelessness about the next area you haven't had breakthrough in yet? Do you know what I'm talking about? I've watched people get physically healed in one area and depressed because they weren't healed in another area yet. Right? That's our natural state. If we're not careful, if we're not intentional to be thankful. Thankful says, thank you, God, for what has happened and that it is a seed of what will happen. It is a promise. That's what he talks about. He said, it's a seed. It's a um, hope is, is that. Hope is this idea. I see God's character and nature and who he says I am in little form, and it's a guarantee of the future if I don't change the subject, if I stay in this place. And so he says, be watchful and thankful in prayer. Whew. That tension of there's more, but I'm so grateful for what's happened. There's more. But the, and so I can stay in the process so that God can transform me into who he's making me to be. Anybody ever gotten to the point where you realize you're really grateful God hasn't brought you into your destiny yet because you've since discovered how unprepared you were for your destiny? <laughs> Masha and I met, uh, and the only thing I could tell you were two things. One, she was incredibly awesome, and I was not awesome enough. <laughs> and uh, I, meeting her showed me how, how not awesome I was. Because I, I'd been hanging out with people who thought I was awesome. And then I meant real awesomeness. And I went, oh, I'm a worm and not a man. <laughs> no, what did that do? That gave me encouragement to press on to become somebody who'd be worthy to walk alongside this woman. Amen. The greater your destiny, the greater, the longer the on-ramp. I'm going to depress some of you. You guys ready? <laughs> Let me list some big destinies. <laughs> Saving six million people. Moses, 40-year on-ramp. 80, really. Now, Jesus walked perfectly to become the Savior of the world. Only 33 years on-ramp. David, you will be king. 17 years later. <laughs> right? 
Daniel, Joseph, you know, it goes on and on. Why would we think we are different? Now hold with me. God will encourage you because we'll go from glory to glory. We will go from glory to glory, but we can't accept the lie that if it hasn't happened completely, it's never going to happen or fail to rejoice in the little breakthroughs that come along the way. I, I watch this with marriages. Uh, sometimes couples don't even know they have a bad marriage. You know, it's just more like, you know, uh, uh, Archie Bunker and, 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 uh, and e e uh, what is it? Edith. Yeah. Ah, you know, this is just, you know, walk, clock in. Bah, boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden they, they look around and they come into a body and they go, I think they love each other. I didn't, I thought that died at, at the, at the altar. They, and then they're like, oh my gosh. And you suddenly realize you don't have a good marriage. You can get into the game of what? comparison anybody been there and god is doing amazing breakthroughs like we didn't bite each other's heads off yesterday hallelujah <laughs> right and then you look and they're like yeah but they're like cuddling <laughs> comparison will kill thankfulness you run your race i run my race we don't know the struggles somebody else has and you know one thing is if comparison is killing us, what do we do? We flip the tables. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're feeling really shameful in one area, so you figure out an area where you're doing better than them. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, maybe you're struggling with your weight, and you're like, yeah, but I got more money. <laughs> I hate my man, but I got one. Talk amongst yourselves. Comparison is a sign that I'm walking in shame and I've embraced hopelessness because I need to know God. And so if sometimes I've, anybody been in the point where you can't think of anything to be thankful for? I remember I, this was maybe about a year ago. I was having a really rough time and I was like, Jesus. And I knew that there was this thing called thankfulness, but I couldn't even remember where it lived because I was so caught up with frustration, anger, uh, offense. And I was like, Jesus. And he's like, you just need to be thankful. And I'm like, that's not helping. I said, what can I be thankful for? And literally all that came into my mind was breath. I was like, that's so, that's so <laughs> pathetic. Like literally my thought was that is the most pathetic thing I've ever heard. He's like, then I'm breathing. And he said, well, you got to start somewhere. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm thankful for my breath. What else? And he took me by breadcrumbs to the point where my heart began to get warm to thankfulness and gratitude. And in gratitude, my heart is positioned before a king who loves me, who's for me, rather than somebody who's I'm trying to peel his fingers back to give me what he promised. Wow. Come on. Well, that was, He said, so then, if you're, as long as you're talking to Jesus, by the way, could you be talking to him? Two, that God may open a door for our message. Now, where is Paul? Paul is in chains. Chained at least next to one, probably two guards are chained to him, even when he's going to the bathroom. Being faithful to God brought him to this place. Anybody here fantasize about your destiny? Does it include being chained next to somebody? No, I'm being real. 
because a lot of times we so clearly outline what our destiny is going to look like that we refuse the very opportunities that God has given. Do you know why Paul is here? Because Paul has heard from God that he's supposed to preach to the emperor. He said, God, how am I going to do that? And God's like, I got a really good idea. We'll put you on the fast flight. And guess what? He sits in chains for two years in Rome, waiting. But do you know what he did while he was waiting? He wrote this book. Are you kind of glad he, he, he took a break? Because while he was planting churches, he didn't have time to write a book. But when he... But, what? You guys heard Cassandra's testimony. God took her out so she could write a book. God's Huh? Where'd you get the paper and the pen? Hey, listen. No, so that's a really good question. The reality is, if you're waiting to see the emperor, you're kind of in a good... He was under house arrest. And so actually, we'll see a little bit of where he got his paper in a second. That's a good question. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? For those of you who have been reading along, Colossians 1.26. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what Masha talked about. The, the reality is, if he's out there, it's not good news. He's right here. There's nowhere you need to go. Christ in you, the hope of glory, for which I am in chains. God's way up is not always the way we imagine, is it? Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I always say this, my prayer is that you be offended by the gospel, but hopefully not offended by me. There's enough offense in the gospel all over without being offended at me. That again, our prayer is always not to, to proclaim a message, but to claim, proclaim a person for them to have an encounter with. Proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act to outsiders. So he's been talking about him talking. Now he's saying, you be wise in the way you to act with outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. I, I heard something recently, and I've said this to many of you actually, but, and I may have said it up here, I don't know. Um, but they did a study recently, and they found that people find people who cuss more trustworthy than, than people who don't. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because they met a few church people? He's saying, listen, God walks with you everywhere. Be mindful of, of the people you're with in traffic, the people you're with in the store. You never know when he's going to give you an opportunity to show the love of God. I'm not saying cuss. I'm just simply saying... <laughs> Listen, listen, when, pe when you speak, is, do they hear Southern or do they hear Jesus? Oh, bless your heart. Or do they hear love? Authentic love. Do they see walls or do they see you climbing over walls to love? Come on. Let your conversation be always full of grace, except if you're discussing politics. <laughs> or something you saw on the internet. That's a very high standard. 
Anybody just realize, like, if, if, if we had, like, a floating, you know, like, like a zero to 100 percent, like, graph over our heads, how we'd all be doing? <laughs> Let your conversation be always full of grace. What is grace? It is God's power and love flowing through you to touch people. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Anybody here, uh, conversation is not a ping pong game where you can hit the ball back at them fast enough that they can't respond, that you can overpower them, but then answer them with the answer God has for them of love. All right, so here's where we get a snapshot into his world. Uh, Tychius will tell you. Who's Tychius? You guys remember? He's the guy who brought the letter, right? He came with a guy by the name of Onesimus. They were apparently hitting all the churches that Paul had planted with letters. And he's reading the letter. And if they have any questions about the letter, he's answering them. Because he knows the author. He, he will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother and a faithful minister. So if he tells you something you don't like, deal with it. <laughs> That's really what he's saying. He's saying, listen to him. Listen to him fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him for, to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus. Who's Onesimus? Onesimus is a slave who ran away. And we talked about this before. When a slave ran away, nine times out of 10, they would be killed on sight. But if perchance they were captured and the, and the master thought he was worthwhile, they would actually brand slave across their forehead so they would never run again. Un but it turned out Onesimus got saved, not because of his master. Remember we were talking about masters? But his master's in the very church. You imagine how awkward that church service was. <laughs> and uh, we have a guest today, uh, Tychius will be preaching along with his helper Onesimus. <laughs> Man, this was a very long service. Like Onesimus just sitting there going. Uh, now the good news is there was a letter to Philemon, that owner as well. And we get to read that. But whew, he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful dear brother. Onesimus was faithful to God to go back to the mess he created, not knowing how it would turn out. Any of us here, you've made a mess, but you're afraid to go back because you can't control how it, will, how it will play out? We're missing a huge part of God's grace in our lives. Anybody here been afraid to tell people the things you're struggling with? You might be cutting yourself off from the very grace of God to, to set you free. And they will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barabbas. Now, uh, uh, Barnabas, uh, Aristarchus, Aristarchus followed Paul. And when Paul, when there was a riot in Ephesus, guess who they grabbed? Aristarchus. Paul wanted to jump in. They wouldn't let him. Anybody here, you follow God or you follow, maybe you're part of a rise or whatever because you want life to go better for you? It will go better, but not how you expect. Anybody here, in, this is why Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. Isn't that a wonderful promise from the Lord? I've never seen anybody with that as a tattoo for some reason. It's my, it's my scripture promise. 
but take heart because I have overcome the world. God will take you into trouble. God will take you into trouble. Don't get it twisted. But he will also take you through trouble and over top of trouble. Because again, anybody here, you're, you heard destiny and all you heard was... <laughs> True? Seriously. Nobody heard destiny and goes, yeah, it's going to be a rough one. Right? No. He said Aristarchus, and he said Aristarchus, so, but Aristarchus got a, a huge promotion. He got to be jailed with Paul. That was his upgrade. Being mentored by Paul wow. in chains. Two years straight mentorship. That's a pretty good mentor. <laughs> we don't offer internship like that. <laughs> As does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Okay, guys, here's my scripture people. Who's, who's Mark? You guys remember? Mark was a guy who was on a mission trip with Paul and Barnabas. Oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. <gasps> Two of the great pillars of the faith. It's going to be awesome. Until Mark got what, what happened to Mark? He, he got home sick. I, got, I miss my mom. I got to go home. What did Paul say? Forget you. Because the next time they wanted to go, Paul was like, uh-uh, Mark is not going with me. I'm not trusting in that. That, mm, no. And Barnabas and Paul split so that Barnabas could take Mark. But guess what happens 14 years later? Mark, he says, he sends you his greeting, as does Mark. You've received instructions about Mark, and if he comes to you, welcome him. Just because somebody has betrayed you, just because somebody has disappointed you, doesn't mean the story ends. I, I, anybody here, I, I watch people walk into a church and they're like this is the best place ever and i get really scared why why do i get scared because they're going to get offended by something right in fact relationship only begins when we hurt when we get offended up to that point it's just a mutual uh, um, adoration fund up to, relationship only starts when I choose you over and against offense, over and against what you did, over and against that. Now, I'm not talking about boundaries and dealing with dangerous people. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about doing life with people. But anybody here took, so when bad things happen, there's two ditches, as there always are. In relationship, there are two ditches when bad things happen. Anybody can guess what they are? Fight and flight. Fight and flight. So what does fight look like? Who are my fighters? Come on, who are my fighters? Taking you down. Listen, by the way, I'm taking this whole friendship group with me. You're going down. And I'm going to tell everybody what you did. Maybe worse than it was. Just saying. Right? Fight or flight. Take you down. I'm going to get legal with you. I'm going to cut you down. Right? Anybody? The other ditch is flight. What is flight? Runners and insulation. Yeah, so there's two forms of flight because it's more complicated and nuanced. There are the runners. Who are my runners? Come on. Come on. The runners already left. No. <laughs> right? I can't take this. <laughs> the, the, so the runners, right? You're like, Okay, girlfriend, you get one chance with me. That was half a chance. You're out. Right? 
The other is, and, and uh, Mariana said, insulation. Who are my uh, isolation and, and, well, but also insulate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, I'm here present to you. 40 miles back inside these walls. If only these walls could speak. They'd be telling you something. But I'm too much of a Christian to tell you what's really in my head. Instead of honest connection, being honest with our feelings, being, uh, being vulnerable with one another, what do we do? We build walls. We may be still present, but we're not here. You can talk, but I'm not listening. In fact, you can give all those to my lawyer. He's processing those. Anybody have a lawyer in your head? Like you're offended at somebody, so you pass everything off to your lawyer? And they're like, so really what they are really saying? I know they say they're happy to see you, but it's a do you know who that lawyer is? The accuser of the brethren. Why, well, yes, he's so good at his job. He's, he's very gracious and loving and kind to help you insulate yourself. But relationship involves vulnerability and coming out from our fight, coming out from our flight to choose relationship. And, that, and Paul's demonstrating that in the fact that here's, here's Mark. And he's saying, no, listen to Mark. There's restoration there. There's restoration there. Let, let me just say this. If in your life there are only people you've left, and there are only people that you voted off your island, and there's only people you've hidden from, and there are no restorations, you might be missing a large portion of the kingdom just going to put that out there. If your, your life is a history of leavings, but never any returnings, you might be missing a large portion of what God has for you. That will preach all by itself. Anybody, if anybody here of the older crowd gotten to a point where there's nowhere else to run? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? You're like, wow, I've gone to every church in town. <laughs> Maybe I should become Jewish. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody here, you work through all the fringe sections? It's only me. Never mind. Not you. I'm just talking about myself. Do talk amongst yourself. All right. Thank you. All right. Here we go. Here, here's where we end. Jesus, he said also Jesus, who is called justice. Why is he saying that? Because Yeshua or Joshua was a really popular name back there then. So he said, by the way, his name is Jesus Justice. Also sends greetings. And these, Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God. Why is he saying that? All those guys you've been listening to are not my coworkers. They have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is, he's the guy who planted this church, is, is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God. What's the will of God? We talked about that first two chapters. Mature and fully assured that the first gospel you received is the totality of it. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Those are the three cities in that valley. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, you guys remember him? He wrote Acts. And by the way, God uses medicine. Who knew? 
and Demas send greetings. Now here's a sad story. Do you know where Demas shows up again? About a year later, he shows up in 2 Timothy. He abandoned Paul. Listen, just because we choose to be vulnerable in relationship doesn't guarantee that it all turns out all right. Does that make sense? That's part of it. That's why we can only be vulnerable in relationship if we allow Jesus to protect our hearts. And uh, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the house, church in her house. So the church leader in Laodicea was a woman. Apparently, Paul didn't get the memo. Oh my gosh, Paul. What is wrong with you? If you have to do a lot of uh, dances to back up your particular theology, just saying. After this letter has been read to you, see that also it is also read in the church of Laodicea, and that you in turn read the letter from the church of Laodicea. We never got to see that letter, unfortunately. But one of the things that's really important is that we have cross-pollination with other bodies. Arise is not, I know this is going to come a shock, is not the end all. God is blessing churches throughout Cobb and Bartow and Cherokee. God is doing wonderful things. No, and listen, we're like a food court at the mall. We don't have the, the totality of all of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? It's a, it, listen, it's not us versus them. Just saying. After this letter is okay, then tell Ar uh, um, Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. That was a little bit of an encouragement to the guy who was supposed to be leading the churches in this area. He's like, buddy, you're slacking. You're slacking. Seriously, get back on task. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. So everything up to this point had been dictated. And then another place he said, see what large letters I write. Another, back then, uh, only like scribes were really good at writing. So he wrote kind of like a kid. Paul, right? Remember my chains and grace be to you. Well done. Woo! You did it. You did it. You did it. Now, one of the reasons why I really wanted to go all the way through this book is because these are real books written to real people. They're real letters. These people are just as real with just as real issues as you and me. They're not super spiritual people. They're real people. And so I, my heart is that out of this, you would start to begin to see that the word of God is meant to be read big, not just as verses, but as big chunks. And, and we look for the big messages, not the little tiny ones. Because a lot of times the theologies get really weird when people go, anybody saw somebody like find one verse and build an entire theology on it? You're like, I don't know if that means that, right? When we stick to the big messages of the Bible, guess what happens? We go from glory to glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We can have the worship team come up. Ooh, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that we, each of us here, has a calling and a destiny on our lives, but not one of us has it turned out the way we expected. But Lord, you are not done with us. Even if we've screwed ourselves up or other people have screwed us up, whether we're Joseph or our brothers, it doesn't matter. You are not done. And so we choose to be thankful for everything that you have done, but hold fast to the promise of where you're taking us. We will, we will, be, we will devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In your name, amen. Let's stand.
As we go into worship, let's just lean into thankfulness.